Hi, I'm Carrie Hines. Welcome to our Hair Radio podcast series that features special interviews and segments from the Hair Radio Morning Show, Salon TV Network, along with original exclusive content right here and across 10 other top podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Contact us about advertising your products or services or being interviewed at 347-587-3213 or visit us on the internet at hairradio.com. Now sit back and enjoy your Hair Radio podcast presentation. Again, I'm Carrie Hines. Thank you. As women, it seems like we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And that weight is directly balanced between your two feet. And with this balancing act, who do you think is suffering? It's not the kids. It's your feet. While running errands, paying bills, or dodging traffic, you could be ruining your feet. Wearing the wrong shoes for the wrong period of time can cause more damage than you think. Hammer toe and bunions are the leading deformities in black women. And Dr. Yolanda Raglan is the first black and only female podiatrist with practices dedicated solely to the correction of these type of deformities. So let this black girl do some magic and fix your feet. For more information, visit FixYourFeet.com. Providing medically necessary surgery with a cosmetic result. It's Friday morning, October 30th of 2020. It's our show number 509-509. And I am bringing to the line a very, very special guest. He's been with us many, 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 many times. And he's from the world of politics and business and entrepreneurship and all that wonderful good stuff and financing, too, and just money talk and everything uh, that's happening out in the world. It's my great honor to welcome back to the Hair Radio Morning Show, the one and only. We're talking about Wayne Smith. Good morning, Wayne Smith. Good, yes. good morning, yes. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you and your listening audience and wishing everyone safekeeping as we all struggle to stay away from COVID-19. Yes, yes, indeed. You can say that again. But it mm-hmm. looks like, um, well, let me ask you, okay, and this is a former mayor of Irvington, New Jersey, for 12 years. You guys heard me um right before we came on um, with Wayne, um, I just have to say, is it true then, are we rounding the curve as the current administration keeps uttering? Well, <laughs> Let's I, I jump right on yeah. in. <laughs> so, so yeah, so if we believe in math and science, the math uh, says that we're getting a second wave of this stuff and everybody is doing uh, extra measures uh, in New Jersey, uh, particularly in my neighboring city, Newark, uh, Mayor Baraka has taken on some strong yeah. measures. The governor is warning us that we we may be seeing the second wave. So optimism is one thing, but reality hits you in the face, and the numbers are uh, creeping up. I was listening to news reports this morning, and we're you know 200 plus thousand people, uh, you know, dying from this uh, coronavirus. So it's uh it it we're not turning the curve in the the positive way, but in the negative way. And so everybody, as we approach um, many for many as a holiday season, Thanksgiving and others, they're encouraging people just to do their immediate families and not have the guests. And I know that's a strain and a struggle for all of us, as during this season, many of us get an opportunity to see loved ones who may be in other states and other places. 
or even in the same city where we just don't visit, but we take the time to do that during this season. We can't do it the way we used to do it because it puts all of us at risk. Mm, I agree. Uh, it, it definitely for our listeners out there and you guys, uh, this is really, it is, as, as Wayne Smith says, it's going to be a tough uh, Thanksgiving, um, you know, where you really can't. I mean, who's heard of a virtual turkey? Just not the same kind of thing, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Right? Uh, and so yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure how this is going to play out uh, because um, when you hear, even to hear the, like I said, the talk uh, about uh, rounding the curve, um, mm-hmm. I don't even know how that could be uttered in uh, at this time where so many folks have just perished. Um, and and then it's this whole thing about just letting it spread. And then I've even heard the administration say that it's, uh, you know, it is what it is, uh, you know, uh, just all kinds of things. And just, I don't know, maybe well, yeah, it's they, just they, me, they, but they, it seems they, like, they, I don't know. What do you say? Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, I think they, they, they've kind of given up of trying to do anything and encourage people to take their uh, own precautions and, and encouraging whatever levels of government to do what they can. Um, they're so, can, you know, we, obviously everybody's concerned about how they're going to survive economically. I mean, that's just a present-day reality, but you can't survive if you're not here. And so economically, so mm-hmm. safety is always first, and then you always then you look at what what your economy brings you. But they're in a they're in a fog on this issue. They just will not face the reality that maybe setting some examples by hunkering down. And even the campaign, to to his credit, um, they criticized Joe Biden about being in the basement. Um, he was doing the campaign the way he could do it safely. And, you know, we're living in almost a virtual world now where people are in very way, many ways to communicate, email. Obviously, they're spending – they're probably going to spend – I saw the numbers the other day. The, the billions of dollars in this campaign election cycle is billions of dollars they're spending. And, um, you know, they're going to be on television. You're going to see the candidates on television from now. It's like four days left. You won't be able to turn on your TV. So there's a t- tons of ways to communicate, whether it's email, whether it's Facebook, whether it's all the social media platforms. There's ways to get your message out. There's the telephone. Um, so in the beauty business, they used to say years ago, now this is dating myself, and it's certainly not a gender bias, but they say, uh, what did they say? Telephone and tell a woman, right? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and, and you that get one. your information at, information out in the in the salons and stuff. So, you know, there's this whole challenge about, you know, a lot of people do campaigns going door to door, but you can you know, you can't do it. Some people out there doing door to door. I read about a candidate in New York City who was doing door to door but doing it in a safe manner. They would ring the bell, it would be they wouldn't come directly up on the, the doorstep and they would talk to you from, you know, whatever six foot six feet social distance and they leave the literature and if you were willing to talk from the six foot distance people were doing that so there you know there's ways to do things these rallies are becoming super spreaders and i just think that um trump is so hell-bent on by any means necessary winning the election he'll put people's 
health at risk. But, you know, that's so that's the question to, for many voters in the next four days. Those who are sitting on the fence, do you uh, want to support someone who puts their interests above yours? Exactly. And that is the thing. Uh, you know, uh, when we dice it up, first of all, we've got a lot to get into. Let me just bring everybody back up to speed. If you're just tuning in, we're chatting this morning on the Hair Radio Morning Show. We're live. It is Friday, October 30th of 2020. It's our show number 509. Now, the election is just four days uh, four days away, uh, Tuesday, uh, so uh, November 3rd. So what can we say, Wayne? Um, let's take it from the part of, before we get into all of the election talk, what about the, uh, when they were kind of going back and forth with those, um, what is that called, where they have the in-person um, oh, you know, where they are, uh, well, they're on stage, and then we had, they had the one with the president and uh, Joe Biden, and then they had the vice president. Oh, the president. debate. Oh, the debate. The debate. Yes. Debate. Yes. Couldn't think debate. of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what so did I you think the first, of that? The first, the first debate was a debacle. I mean, it was it was absolutely uh, crazy. Uh, Trump was so rude that um, you know I think he lost a tremendous amount of his own some of his people that were on the fence that were going to support him, but he was so unpresidential, um, interrupting every time uh, Vice President Biden tried to say anything, that it was just horrendous. And so no one uh, was able to even hear either one of them was saying because it became a, a fracas. Um, but the second debate was a little bit more sane because somebody must have, he, he finally listened to a few people and said, um, you've got to do this in more same fashion. Now, the other piece is that the debate format allowed for them to cut yeah. the mic off. So <laughs> yeah. they had Which they really changed. needed. They should have – I really don't know how they did not realize that they should have always had that. Well, you it's would the think, simplest you know, solution. Yeah, it was a, a – you know, it, people think that folks are going to follow the norm. Donald Trump is not a norm – uh, follower, he's going to do whatever he thinks, which tells you case. everything you need to know about him, you know about <laughs> him. right yeah. there. And so they didn't anticipate someone acting, you know. Yeah, and every debate, there's some overcarriage of conversation on occasion that gets heated or whatever, but not to the degree that Trump did. So they weren't prepared for the uh, the, the craziness, but they were prepared the second time. So it was a much more sane debate. Um, I thought that, um, you know, I don't think it changed many minds. I think the, the, the Biden people with Biden, I think Biden got a few more undecided people be, uh, because Trump really doesn't talk about what he's going to do in a second term. You know, he, he still. It, well, you, it's funny that you say that. Um, and mm -hmm. you, of course, you're, you've been in politics. You understand every single angle of it. Um, but I think, the and I came away with the exact same feeling. I said, well, you know, I hear a lot of attacks, but I've not mm -hmm. heard one thing of a real plan, if at all. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, where, no. you know, there's no meat. It's just like the yeah. emperor standing there. you got to yeah, give people yeah. something to chew on. At least uh, it seems like the vice president, uh, uh, you know, candidate uh, Joe Biden, seems like he is at least trying to give some kind of a plan uh, with regards to the economy and different things, instead of just 
attack, attack. Good grief. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, as, so that's, what what do you say to that? I mean, my yeah, goodness. I think that's just Donald's mo. He 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 is. Uh, he doesn't have a plan. He never does. He wings it. And so his thing <laughs> is to, to attack Joe Biden, try to discredit him, this that and the other, and it's not working. I think the, when you look at on the character issue and things like that, um, Biden wins in every facet. The only glimmer of uh, positive po- possibility for those who believe in Trump is that they had some positive signs before the uh, the, the um, COVID nineteen was on the economy. You're referring to the and economy. So, yeah, yeah. So, but but he never he he can't he's not a disciplined enough guy to pitch it. So that's dangerous for us when a guy is not disciplined enough to even do things that are to his own best interest. He can't look out for the interests of others, and so you know Donald is a he, he's he, he's living in what I call a cult of personality. He he this is not a reality show where you can wing it and play to a particular crowd. So he you know the problem is his own success. He wasn't expected by any pro- pro- professional uh, view of how one gets elected president to win in 2016. But he won. And so now he thinks he knows how to do it. And, so and he he did, let's it. just remind folks, Wayne, he did not win the popular vote. He uh, did not. He did, he not. did not. And right. that's very so he, important for you guys to understand. He won in the electoral votes, uh, which many had already been promised uh, not to vote in the way that they did, and that's why we were kind of caught off guard. Uh, right. And so that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's an important distinction to make because, you know, like Hillary, um, Joe is leading in the polling, um, but I think his, his, his polling is a little stronger because Hillary had some, some high negatives with some populations, not with, obviously not with me, but, but some populations Mm -hmm. get some high negatives. Joe doesn't seem to have the high negative. And so it looks like his, his, his lead and even in swing states may hold so places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, particularly where you, your audience has a major influence, where you know people go into the salon, they're going to be people over the weekend, um, you know, uh, probably getting their hair done, and so you know we got to encourage them, whatever, however they vote, especially in those swing states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, um, that they need to at least cast their ballot, however they got to cast it. Some will be doing in-person voting. Some will be doing uh, mail. You know, you actually, I think you were, you were talking about um, are people afraid to mail in. Well, I'll tell you what I did. As soon as the in New Jersey, everybody was presented uh, mail the ballot. And they, they changed the rules so that you had more. The whole elections were done by vote by mail, except for some rare exceptions. You can drop off your your ballot at certain designated spots, but when I when I got it, you know, my family we sat down and we did our ballots the day that they came in, and we mailed it out because we were concerned with um, making sure that they land on time. So I, I'm I'm proud to report that in New Jersey, at least in Essex County, they mailed you a letter. Um, that said that they had received your vote. They didn't give, obviously, they didn't, you know, they can't count it, but they have received it. 
which was a good sign. You nailed it. They had a very well-crafted thing. You had to uh, fill your ballots in, who you were voting for. There were some ballot questions. Um, and each state is obviously running their election different. So people should know that there's no national standard for elections. All 50 states determine how their elections are run. And so, you know, the Trump campaign is actually trying to slow down vote by mail. They were against it, even though he votes by mail. Donald Trump himself well, votes and by mail. Well, and the state down in Florida that he's so, uh, you know, is tied <laughs> with now, uh, tied to. Yeah, yeah, he, relo- um, he relocated to right. Florida. <laughs> he, yes, and some say was kicked out of New York, but I won't go there. <laughs> I'll be nice, listeners, because I know we've got yeah, some yeah. Trump so, listeners uh, who are fans of the Hair Radio Morning Show, and, and we've got some Biden fans, so uh, we'll be nice. We'll play nice in the sandbox today. <laughs> so, I, I tell you, I want to ask you, um, and, and again, if you're just kind of tuning in and catching the conversation, um, we're on with Wayne Smith. He was the mayor in Irvington, New Jersey for 12 years. And, uh, you know, just to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to jump back in. Uh, Wayne Smith, tell us a little bit. I mean, you have a remarkable career in politics, uh, just a shining beacon. You're still doing amazing things. But when you look back at the time that you were in office, um, do you reflect back now differently than um, oh, and you yeah, can look yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, please tell us yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're you're older. You're obviously you know, uh, we say hindsight is always uh, 50, uh, uh, twenty twenty. <laughs> twenty twenty. <see> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're when you're not there, but yeah, you know, you you, you often reflect the things that you did right, the things that you did wrong, the things if you had an opportunity you would do differently. It all all those experiences help you even when you are in the private sector because you know how government works. So yeah, you gotta you you I reflect often. And uh, I just did a, a an interview for one of our local papers called Local Talk, and they, oh. the, they asked me if I missed being in public office. And I said, the part that I missed the most is be having the ability to help people both in small and large ways. So, and I and I give you an example. So, sometimes in the public sector, people come to you for all kinds of help, and some of it you you, you never talk about because it's you know, their business. But to be able to have the ability, uh, whether it's in the public sector, the private sector, to help someone who's looking for employment, to help a young person with educational programs or recreational programs or giving them their first job. One of the things that's interesting is that I've often run into people who are now young adults and they say, hey, you gave me my first job, or I worked for you in the summer, or I remember you used to come to my school and read or talk to us. And those kinds of things, you know, when you go through all the headaches of being in public life, those are the things that make you smile because, you, you know, you, you don't get that, um, you don't see that while you're doing them. And people can often tell you how much they appreciated those things because they're older, they were younger, Etc. Or something that you did that you never even know you did that helped someone's life. So those kinds of things make you reflect on, you know, people often sit to reflect on the, the the negative about public life and politics. But there's some very pleasurable things you can only get from that experience, and uh, whatever influence you have to do good, um, you know, makes me uh, smile when I get an opportunity to see that. But yeah, I do often 
reflect. And I, and and because I'm I'm a I'm a consumer of government services now in a more di- different way because I'm not setting policy or direction or running the government. You get a chance to see how other people do it. You know, some you some with sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree, and how you can influence the process. And now that's where I'm more I view myself more as an influencer, uh, educating young people about how the process works, uh, using some of the skills I've learned to get government to respond, uh, knowing how it is to be in those places when people have to make a decision and how you influence them to make a decision which you think is in the best interest of the community. You, you still have those abilities because those are learned skills. I have to say, Wayne, as I listen to you, and and, uh, let me also just say this, the ability to help people, and you were just talking about Mm -hmm. that in big and small ways, and you kind of missed that that ability, uh, the opportunity to to do that as much as you'd like. Well, let me tell you, Mm -hmm. you have still been an instrumental help to many folks out there with what you're doing. So. Uh, that's Agreed. never going to change whether you uh, ever decide to, uh, you know, to be mayor again or anything else out there in mm-hmm. the world. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to say this, though. There are folks who, and I really want to break this down because there there seems to be uh, clarity that we don't seem to uh, always have, I believe, in the way of understanding politics. Now, we've got city politics. We have mm-hmm. state politics. And mm-hmm. we have federal politics. Is absolutely. that right? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah, Can yeah, you yeah, kind of yeah, just absolutely. tell everybody so, about this, Wayne? Yeah. So, 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 city politics, or some people refer to it as local politics. So there are probably a couple of strands of local politics. So, you, New Jersey is very much like New York. So you have your your city council, which is your legislative branch of government. They and I was a city councilman for six years and president of the city wow. count, township council for uh, uh, four of those six years that I served. So that is, they make the laws for a city. And so but don't they you know, seem you heavily go, focused on zoning issues and building. They, they, and and, and that is stuff. that is yeah, absolutely right. They are de- that, those are the issues that that are uh, delegated to the powers of local government. Most local governments are creations of state government. So local governments are given certain powers that they are that they reside over. And zoning and local law, traffic laws that impact the city, the city budget, how many police you have, how many police you don't have, how many um, uh, your, your health department, all those kinds of things, uh, your fire department. Um, you know, public safety is always the, the kind of like the number one issue for local government. Now, you have cu- a couple of strands of local government. A lot of places you have your cities, your townships, your hamlets, your boroughs. Those are different formats of, of what they call city or local government. But then you have a bigger subdivision that is not quite as big as the state and is still considered local government. That's county government. So I know New York oh, has counties. <laughs> yeah, but that's considered local government. That's considered local government. So your city government, your little local where you live at, and then you have county governments that those. So now the next level after local government is your state government. So every state has a state legislature. Sometimes they're made up of uh, representatives in one house and a state senate, and they make the laws for that that particular state. 
They, they determine what the state budget is. And one of the provinces of state government is elections. Elections are dictated to generally by state law. They're not, there's no federal standard other than the right to vote, um, but registration, how elections are conducted, are the province of state and local governments. And so, so, so the state, you know, you have your state universities, you have a whole host of things that state governments do. And then, of course, you have your federal election, your federal government. And your federal government is composed of the House of Representatives or your Congress people that represent an election district of, you know, it could be a number of towns. It could be uh, a major piece could be in one city, but congressional districts are drawn. And, and you know, we, we just went through a tremendous uh, uh, time with getting people to fill out the census. Yeah. And the, yeah. census, the census determines how many, repre- you know, because of population, how many representatives you're going to have in the House of Representatives? How many Congress people you're going to have? Because every state has their, their senators. So, so that's that's why the census becomes important. Because after the census, the census determines uh, not only how many people we have, but what what your political representation looks like. And by based on the number of people, what federal funds may be designated for education, for health care, etc. So that's why it's important for the census because they're going to cut up those election districts. So every 10 years, as a part of the federal system, election districts may change based on the population. So some areas, that's why it's important to be counted, because they, some areas will lose population. Now, some of that is a natural progression of people maybe going from the north to the south or vice versa from the south to the north, but if people are still here, and they're not being counted, then they, that means money may not be allocated to provide services for all the people that are there. So if you don't know you have a certain number of children, you won't plan for schools for those children. So mm-hmm. so you have the House of Representatives, you have your United States Senate. The United States Senate is supposed to be your more deliberate body because most of the time they get a chance to uh, run and a longer period of time, some you know, some terms of six years, six, et cetera. Right. Yeah, and the House of Representatives, some of them have to run almost every two years. So right. you know, it, it it it's supposed to cover some vast interests. And then, of course, the the major thing that we're we're dealing with right now is the election of who will be the president of the United States. And the president of the United States has some vast power symbolically. The president of the United States is the leader of the free world because the U.S. has such an impact globally that our, our influence grows beyond our borders. So the, the president is not only the president of the United States, but he's supposed to be the leader of those countries that purportedly believe in a democracy. And, and, and so, or, 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 in many, or, or in many other respects, a capitalist economy. So, he has a, a role both here in the, in, in the United States, but, glo- so, but his powers are vast. He has so many jobs that he can pick as president. But in addition to his cabinet, there's thousands of jobs that the president of the United States gets to put, uh, have input in and, and designate. So, um, it's an and, enormous you know, responsibility. Should, yeah, so that's why one of the issues, for particularly in schools and for even, even adults, every now and then, 
we should brush off the Constitution and see what the powers of the president are, what the powers of Congress. The Congress has, with all the tremendous resources the federal government has, the Congress really has the power of the purse. The president gets the chance to spend it, but the Congress determines what it's spent on. And so sometimes that, that um, power blurs, and there's sometimes court challenges that the president may overstep his bounds and so forth and so on on budget. Really, Congress is the one that the, the president is the uh, commander-in-chief, but the Congress is supposed to be the one that declares war, not the president. So it's um it's um it's um it's a it's a lot for folks to digest sometimes because we're so busy doing what we do to earn a living that we don't oftentimes have the opportunity to pay attention to government um, in a in a way. So so it's an interesting scenario. There's this whole profession well, called. Hmm? Go ahead. Yes. No. You go ahead. I'm sorry. The profession yeah, yeah, called. So there's this whole profession called lobbyists. Yes. Who who, who certain that. Yeah. yes who certain companies or certain interests uh, hire to 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 look out at the government to see how it impacts them. So let's let's take um, the hair industry. So say the people who make the products that many of us use, and you're in the product development business as yeah. well. So if somebody does something that impacts that business, many times they'll have lobbyists. Uh, that are part of the beauty and health industry come say, hey, if you do that, it's going to hurt our industry. We won't be able to make products at a certain cost to sell it to a consumer for a certain cost. And so, you know, I don't know too many congressmen or experts on the beauty business. So, so the lobbyists so play a, a role. Yeah, yeah some, some nefarious and some really a service educating them to say, hey, look, if you do that, it may cost us jobs over here if you do that. So, you know, whether it's good or bad, these lobbyists uh, serve a role that many people, the founding fathers never even thought about. That how do, you, right. how, how do we, we put these powers in place, but how do you influence them? We think that just citizens. So now there's a whole profession of people who are professional persuaders. And don't even get into the lawyers who, who actually battle in court over how the law is, how the Constitution, what's a constitutional violation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Government is probably one of the biggest businesses in the world, and it certainly regulates all of them, and all of our, and in many respects, impacts our lives by what they do. But we have to tension. If we've learned you nothing have, in these last to, few years. Yeah, absolutely. You see how um, not paying attention, not voting, so, we, you know, every. Every election people tells you this is the most important election. Well, they're really not wrong. <laughs> well, every that's election, right. <laughs> yeah, every every election. election is important. And it's not just the presidential election. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of why, Wayne, when I look back, um, you know, I started getting really involved. I think for me the biggest eye-opening uh, moment, the aha moment, as Oprah says, uh, in recent uh, years for me has been that the president, you uh, mentioned it earlier, uh, has so much power because I, I never could understand so much why a lot of the former presidents, you know, they really kind of were reluctant to weigh in on the, whoever's in office at that time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, folks, are they shut up and button up real quick. Uh, they're scared to criticize because I believe 
that they're the whoever's in that office and in the administration, they have so much power, they can pretty much look through every aspect of your life and uh, instantly, I think. And I could be wrong, but I believe that they have so much access because they're in charge of, uh, you know, uh, you know, everything that pretty much rolls in the country. And so I think that folks may be reluctant to speak out. And and the other thing I wanted to mention, you talked about that the president, uh, you know, you know, should be standing for democracy uh, Mm -hmm. everywhere throughout the world. So what happens when it appears that the very person who should be standing up for democracy seems to be trying to do away with it? Yeah, Yeah, you don't have to be blind or, or. you know, mm-hmm. to be able to yeah, not mm-hmm. see that. So what do you say so, about something in this situation where that's the way it seems? See, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so so many people uh, think that President Trump, and I agree, has this dictatorship-like style about how he tries to govern. And so, um, you know, in, if, in our U.S. Constitution and in our laws, there are many things we could do. And you saw people standing up to the president uh, who either revealed b- both publicly or um, um, through uh, different channels. You have this whole category of people called whistleblowers. When they see something in government that's not right, they sound the alarm. And, and luckily for our form of government, there have been Thank brave goodness. souls that have that Real brave. And, yeah, and stood up and, and done that. And so it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to do even some of the simple things. It takes courage to get out there and vote because people yeah. will try to discourage you from that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when you have these conversations with people say, well, I don't think it makes a difference. Well, okay. Yes, you're right to think that way. Um, but it does make a difference. And, and so when people say, I don't have this government service or that government services, you know, elections have consequences. And that's why it matter. makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, the reality is, is that there are, there are inflection points in our system that we can do something about it. And so we have to exercise those uh, in, inflections. And you do those in many ways. You do that one in, in voting when you're dissatisfied. Um, you know, and we don't win every election that you, you, your candidate doesn't win every time, but it certainly tells people where you are. Um, people, um, reasonable people, will change their position when they they want to stay in office. Um, so you know you have to use every tool you have available to you, and you know it, it it takes courage to be engaged. It takes courage to speak out. It takes courage to write. It takes courage to try to persuade people to participate in the process. And 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 thank God our system has created checks and balances. We go back to the Nixon days and Watergate. Had not people been able to stand up, even some of Nixon's own people later stood up to the president when he was wrong, and we were able to remove or get him to resign from office. So, you know, those things, I don't think you're going to be so lucky. We got to, I think we're going to have to vote this guy out and probably drag him out afterwards. Well, see, that's what I was about to say. Back in the Nixon <laughs> days, uh, the country was not necessarily as uh, divisive. Uh, there mm-hmm. was not as much r- political rhetoric uh, to this mm-hmm. degree, and it wasn't the 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 fires. It, it, I don't it, think it, were stoked. The flames weren't stoked so much as they are these days. It seems. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I you know, you know, I've lived long enough to see what I call kind of like the um, 
recycling of history, if you will. Mm-hmm. If you look at um, the, the the effort, and Trump is trying to mirror some of the Nixon, the law and order strategy, sending people in the cities after all yeah. these things happened uh, around the country, which created some rebellion, though, you know, it's some uh, unnecessary, unnecessary violence, but nevertheless, an expression of what people were feeling at that time. We lived through that through the 60s and the 70s, and even the whole Rotten King incident was that. So the country was divided at those inflection points. There were points of healing, but, it, it, you know, it, it, everything is relative. For that state in history, I think we were there. So that's how Nixon rode into the White House with this kind of law and order strategy after the, the, right. the um, that whole, which turned uh, out to be that, ironic in his case. <laughs> yeah, he ended up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think it's all relative. The, the, the thing that makes it seem uh, more um, a focal point now is because we have so many points of media where people, you know, things where you, you even look at situations where um, you look at George Floyd and others, even the Rodney King incident, you know, now we have so much more media and information can get around the world so quickly. That and the, the internet, the years, internet. Yeah, and the internet, and people, people's phones are now uh, uh, a communication vehicle. Every, <laughs> every, everybody can, can, can send a message around the world in a matter of seconds. So right. we didn't have that ability to communicate in those years, but it's all relative. You know, um, I look at the civil rights movement. I look at the young people who are promoting, uh, who started and promoted Black Lives Matter, where it's, it's the, the theme of the country right now. The people understand that um, there were challenges being uh, black in the country, and now the whole country's saying, and the civil rights movement, um, you know, we still had major resistance to After the civil rights movement, you had the Voting Rights Act, you had all these other uh, things that happened that allegedly helped us, um, you know, operate better in America. So, you know, it, 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 it's relative. I think it was as divisive. It may be more so because there was more built-in resistance then. Um, I mean, we, we lived through a period where we had an African-American reach the highest office of the land. We never had that back then. So, True. you know, it's, it's – um, and, yeah, and, and certainly we have more people – who've entered the mainstream of American life, both in arts and in entertainment and, and even money. I look at this guy, uh, Robert Smith, um, who, who, the, who gave the, the billionaire guy. Yeah. Who gave the scholarship to the morale students who just paid right, right. a fine to the federal government of about $140 million. Now he paid That's a fine. Pocket change got, for him. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. He's got, he's got billions. But so we never had that. Before, you know, we've got a whole new playing field um, today. And so while it, it, we see a lot of divisiveness, I think it's all relative. I think it was probably maybe just as divisive in those days as well. Right. I, I hear you. Well, listen, folks, um, we've been listening to the amazing Wayne Smith. You guys know him. He's been with us many, many, many times right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show uh, in office himself as mayor in Irvington, New Jersey, for 12 years, a political uh, dynamo and business dynamo as well. And you have just done so many things. Um, I have to tell you, I appreciate the education. You have definitely given us some background on uh, city, local 
politics and, and, you know, the whole thing with uh, the difference between the state legislature and the federal government and all of that wonderful good stuff. But I believe, like you were talking about the media, and then we're going to jump back into this current, uh, you know, what's happening out here politically and, and with regards to the election. But I remember it seems to me you were talking about media, and I feel that a lot of this seems to be at the uh, the issue that these antitrust laws were kind of done away with and allowed for media conglomerates to have too much influence. And when they seem to have so much influence, uh, it kind of muffled out any dissenting voices or not even giving opportunities to folks who look differently and to the other folks uh, who are in the majority of the people who are in this country who look you know, and represent every color of the rainbow. But because you have these, mon- these monopolies that, again, these lobbyists were able to influence uh, these politicians who did away with these antitrust laws, uh, allowing for the monopoly of broadcasting and media to take a great uh, part of, um, you know, to create this whole one, you know, uh, kind of way to present, uh, especially where it comes to presenting people of color and so forth and so on. I don't know. That's just my take on it. And I think that these laws were set up to protect. Uh, the people against these corporations having these types of monopolies. Um, yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. like that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely what do you right. Say to I, that I, way? Yeah, I think it's absolutely right. I think one of the things, too, that, that's, that's hurt um, with the consolidation of media is that the, the advent of local news has changed mm. um, with, 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 this, with the conglomeration of maybe the major media companies. You find it's very difficult for you to get any local information about your neighborhood once in a blue moon. I mean, so you know, and then the ad, the, the the desolation of the newspaper industry, where people used to pick up the newspaper every day and at least read. Um, I think is a major challenge of dumbing down the population where they don't know what's going on. Um, I picked up the you know you and a lot of this stuff is online now. But you do have a, ma- a major challenge with the, di- di- the uh, digital divide, where people who don't have the resources, uh, cetera, don't get information if they're not as astute. If they don't, if they don't have a computer, how do they find out stuff? Then there's still people right. in America who are challenged by it. We're finding that out by what's going on with the coronavirus with schooling. You know, the, oh, with all these schools having to go remote, there's a major challenge for for poor families who don't have the ability. Now, a lot of schools had to supply computers. Some school districts could not supply all the computers um, that they need, but it's a challenge. I know right here in New Jersey, um, that was a challenge even in my own town. They're saying that there was not enough computers. and The governor was trying to raise money between the government and private sector calling on philanthropic people to give money. So yeah, it's a it's a the information, but at the same time, I think there's a glimmer of hope, as we said um, in the civil rights movement when when people were protesting, except for the ability of the the, team, the media to cover the marches, you couldn't you couldn't get information out as quickly as we can get information out today. Something can happen, and you can put you can broadcast from your phone. True. That's right. Yeah, and so you know, so so there's glimmers of hope that 
this idea they call citizen media, where people can actually you know make their news by you know carrying the phone. I mean, you can hold a press conference now. Get you get people together and you can do Facebook Live and all that. Now they you know the the um, the uh, the Congress is now I think they call the heads of Google, Facebook, and Microsoft. Oh yes, I just meeting. saw that a few days ago. Yeah, right? yeah. So. So that you know, so so media has also changed. I mean, we we're doing streaming. Um, you know, my, my early career, I was involved with some concert promotion, and the music business has changed. Even though there's um, there's, I was just reading recently that there, with streaming and other formats, the music industry is going to be on the upswing again. So, but but the one interesting thing, as we transition from the what I call old media to new media is that it seemed like there were more opportunities even in the music business for people to get out there. And these conglomerations killed all these little um, local records. We had records then. Killed a lot of the independent labels who were doing music. Yes, I think that did happen. But I'll tell you something, um, and I listened to CeCe this morning talk about uh, the music industry uh, CeCe mm-hmm. Tennyson was the guest early this morning. I played uh, mm-hmm. one of the classic interviews with her, and we were talking about the industry. Uh, I do believe that uh, it has opened up individually, but like you said, and she even said it as well, there it's both sides. It's good and bad. Uh, mm-hmm. You can kind of get the music out there a little bit easier because now anybody can just put out something and be a star, literally, and promote yourself. You don't have to go shop to every label in town anymore. You can release mm-hmm. the, your music yourself, and you also get to benefit financially from that directly, which that didn't exist in the old days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had to have these uh, huge uh, deals, and uh, and even then you didn't make much <laughs> of those deals generally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, it was really difficult. Uh, acts had to tour and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, I guess there are good and bad things and everything. Mm-hmm. So, Wayne, I've got to tell you, uh, and I want to definitely talk a little bit. Um, and, folks, again, let me just kind of quickly bring you up to speed. Wayne Smith is joining us today. Uh, it is uh, Friday, October 30th of 2020. We're talking about politics and trying to get everybody to understand how important it is for them to vote. How important is it for folks to vote, Wayne? Is, is it important? Yeah, so if you want to express your, your, your point of view about um, the, you know, what's going on in society, I think that's one of the tools the, and a very important one for you to utilize. And so you can express your opinion. You have the right to do that. But the policymakers who... Uh, make the decisions that impact all of our lives are only affected by your vote. Now, of course, you know, they they take political contributions as well, but at the end of the day, they're spending billions of dollars to influence you to vote. Some people are spending millions of dollars to influence you not to vote. Not to vote, vote exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so it must be important. (laughs) If all this money is being spent on people's ability to vote or not to vote, to get you to vote, to not get you to vote. And so you got to think about that. You know, that must be important to somebody. And so it should be important to you in terms of expressing your point of view at the ballot box. Exactly. And speaking of the ballot box, let's talk about the ballot box again. 
mm-hmm. because this is important. Folks have been concerned about, you know, first let's break it on down again. Um, for what is the difference between the absentee ballots and the mail-in ballots and the in-person voting? Because um, okay. we've been looking at the news over these last few days and Talk to us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into, okay. you know, the long lines. And da, 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 da. Okay, so some, so, so some states, even before we had uh, the coronavirus, allowed for and, 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 and still do many, some states. You have to remember, you, you, you have to check with wherever you live, what state you live in, to determine what the voting rules are. But let's, let's, so absentee ballots were set up. So if you were, you wanted to vote, and you were ill, and you wanted to cast your ballot, generally you, you make an application to your election officials that you need to vote by absentee because you were ill, you were going to be in, in, in Africa or Europe, and you were not going to be in the country, and you wanted to vote, or you had some extenuating circumstances based on that state law that allowed you to vote absentee. That's what absentee ballots were. You were not going to be able to get to the ballot box to vote. Um, vote by mail became a phenomenon, much more of a phenomenon um, because of COVID-19 and where people were saying we, in order to administer election. Now, some states before COVID-19 began to implement vote by mail as an easier way for folks to participate in the voting process. So some states were, I would call, enlightened. And they, and they, they would just got mail out ballots to everybody, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, who was a registered voter? Absolutely right. The registered voter. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, maybe I should go back to that part first. In order to vote in most states, you you have to be a, you have to re- fill out a form to register to vote. So that's still an important process that you do. So in most states, the voting age is 18 years old. Once you become 18, or any time thereafter, you have to register to vote. And then you then if you want to apply for this absentee ballot. You can. So vote by mail became a phenomenon as people wanted to say, how do we get more people to participate? How do we make it easier for people to participate? And maybe voting by mail might be an easier way, folks. So if you have to, so you remember, we live in kind of an urban metropolitan area where you can get to places, whether it's public transportation or whatever. Even some of our voting sites are walking distance from where we live. You've got some parts of the country where it's not so easy to get to a place to vote. If you're in a rural area and your and your car breaks down, or you don't have a car, a truck, or whatever, it might be difficult for you to get to the ballot box. So vote by mail became a viable option for maybe it, uh, situations like that. So they allowed for that. Um, so now, because of COVID-19, they began to look more broadly about how do we get people to the polls in a safe fashion, or how we get them to participate to vote in a safe fashion. So voting by mail became the major proposition for people to participate without having to go outside and wait in line and so forth and so on. So you cut down the risk. There are some people who just were, were um, so used to voting in person that they resisted that. So you now you have, in a number of states, a mixed bag. Some states have some in-person voting and, and with a combination of vote by mail. In some states, you have to request the vote by mail, very much like the absentee ballot. So those are the kind of the, the three graphs. There are some places that are allowing people to go to the polls. And the, the other concept is 
early votes. So um, I was watching Mayor de Blasio in New York stand in line with everybody else um, for for two or three hours to go vote because New York allowed er early voting, but you had to, it was, but it was in-person early vote. So you had to stand in line. The goal was, I think, with early voting, to, to, to stop the mad exodus on election day. So imagine if all those right. people who voted early had showed up on Tuesday. Then you would have triple the time people would be waiting to get opportunity Correct. to cast, cast their ballot. So, they, so some, some jurisdictions implemented early voting to cut down on some of that totally that crowd, that. yeah, exactly. that, you know, unintended consequences happen. You still have big, big crowds um, in Atlanta and other places. There were lines around the corner, and so the good news well, is he though, criticized uh, that mayor of New York. I'm here in Brooklyn. And I remember he was criticizing the long lines because he felt that they should, uh, the folks who are handling the elections uh, here in New York should have had a better handle or plan to kind of minimize those long lines because it doesn't fall yeah. under his uh, jurisdiction. <laughs> I guess, I guess yeah, if it so had, he so probably wouldn't have been saying anything because yeah, isn't that yeah, what you yeah. said so earlier? So that state? Yeah, he's proposing some changes to how the Board of Elections runs. So that's a classic example. Uh, in most local jurisdictions that manage elections, they're managed by this thing called the Board of Elections. And so the, yes, the local board. government delegates to a board the ability to, to run elections. And so the board of elections determine how they're run. Oh, hold on a second. My, my house sure. alarm went off. Oh, okay. No. Well, we're live this morning. And while Wayne is checking <laughs> on that, uh, <laughs> this is a good time to just let everybody know. We've been chatting with the amazing Wayne Smith today, and he's Wayne has truly educated us on the political process, and particularly at this time. Wayne, I have to say, uh, this is you've just really, really, really helped to peel back a, uh, quite a few layers on this complicated. Um, issue of um, voting, uh, elections, uh, where people fall politically, uh, remembering mm -hmm. to continue to motivate everybody to get out and do what they need to do. Um, mm -hmm. I can't wait to share this with everybody. So we're going to definitely put this into a podcast as well and make it accessible to everybody all over the world, literally. And then we want you to come back after this election. Yeah, we're going to talk we about the post and what's going to happen, right? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm concerned about that. I know we have about three minutes. Let me ask you, Wayne, because uh, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of this was made big about the post office and there were boxes that were lost and or they tried to take them out of service. Uh, this was the man that was put into office by the current administration <laughs> and all kinds of political maneuvering. So, folks... It just sowed a seed of doubt, in my opinion. So, how did? What do you have to say about that whole thing with think, the whole mail you know, stuff? I, I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that um, the, the American public did a service by exposing that, and shows that our our system of government can work, even despite what machinations that the Trump administration has tried to do by slowing down the vote by mail. And so that's why it's important who gets in control of the government. People don't know that the post postmaster general is a board of governors that controls that. And, um, you know, pick, I guess, a combination of Congress and the president 
and he, he it's, a, it's the postal services, though it's a part of the U.S. government, is like an independent agency. And so they hired Wayne, the guy. We've got we've got about thirty seconds going forward. Listen, I'm going to start yeah. our outro next week, Wayne. I'm going to reach out to you so we can get you here back uh, to wrap this up for us. I want to thank you. You're an amazing guest, and you're doing extraordinary things, and we just appreciate you so much. And I thank want you. to thank you on behalf of everybody. You're doing an awesome job. Wayne, um, now you, what's Wayne. going on? Do we have something to catch up with you about uh, real soon, and where can we find out more information? Well, you can call me at 973-204-5639. Okay, or touch base with us here at Here Radio. Thank you, folks. Absolutely. And, Wayne, thanks again. We'll see you back on the right. next show on Tuesday morning. Live right here. All right. Bye-bye. It's that time again to wrap up today's edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. Remember, the show doesn't end here. Play back any part of today's broadcast or any of our recent 500 shows on our very own free downloadable Salon TV Network app. A big thank you to my awesome co-hosts, Ms. B and Purple Barbie. And to all of our great guests, amazing advertisers, the entire team at Hair Radio, and most importantly, you for tuning in. We know that you have many choices in the morning, and we're honored that you started your day with Hair Radio. I'm Carrie Hines. We'll see you back here on the next show. Make it a great day.